Okay, stop, stop being so friendly. I have something to say. Uh, thank you. Say, no, I, that's great to see you guys being so friendly. Um, it's, great, it's good to be teaching again. I haven't taught for a long time. I was telling Pastor Paul that sometimes you get a little bit out of rhythm, you know, you get a little, uh, you're not used to speaking or teaching. And so this is a great opportunity to see if I still can ride a bike by teaching today. I am, and hello to those online. Hello to each of you here today. I am turning 68 this week, and it seems really, thank you. Send your gifts, especially leaf jerseys, to wayneandry.com. Appreciate that. Um, but one of the things, you know, when, you're, when you get to be my age, and I received Jesus, and it was very vividly, vivid for me when I was eight years old, so it's going to be 60 years that I have been following Jesus, not always perfectly, but uh, following Jesus. And so you think that over the years you'd learn, and you'd grow, and you'd understand who God is and what he's doing, and I think I have. But every, like, things happen and you're shocked with the fact that God really knows what he's doing. That's one of the things I'm going to be talking about today, that God really knows what he's doing. And it's a perfect, today is a perfect example of God knowing what he's, what he's doing. Today, I was supposed to be doing KCS. I do, I serve in KCS once a week. I'm one of the small group leaders there. I really enjoy it. It's a lot of, a lot of fun. And I really enjoy doing that. Today, I was supposed to do that, but a while back, Somebody needed a sub or a switch, and so I switched. I did theirs on the 6th, and they did mine the 20th. This was quite a while ago, not knowing about what was going to happen today. And so I was supposed to speak on the 27th, and then Dee got sick, and John says, hey, can you speak on the 20th? Now, isn't that God know, knowing what he's doing? Like, that's, I just like, how long does it take me to learn that kind of thing? So today I want to talk about spiritual health. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a grandfather of one child and one soon on the way. Some of you know our daughter, Jelaine, who sings up here and realize that she is expecting. And so sometime in April, uh, she'll be uh, giving birth to our second grandchild. We look forward to that. So uh, our granddaughter's name is Stella. Hey, isn't it? Some of you know me from the years past and you knew all about my dogs because I talked about my dogs constantly. Aren't you glad that I'm not up here all the time talking about my granddaughter, Stella? But uh, Stella is our granddaughter, and I, you know, I continue to learn through children. Children have a lot to teach us. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I've learned from Stella over the last two years that we've uh, been involved in her life. So Stella was, had a runny nose. She was a little bit sick, and... She was coughing, and she, would, she likes to ask why all the time. And uh, so she was, mom was explaining to her that she has a cold, and Jelaine says, you have a cold, and you're sick, and you have a runny nose. And she says, you're just sick, Stella. And Stella stops and goes, sick and happy. So, <laughs> so I've learned from her that attitude and response to life circumstances, no matter how difficult, are extremely important. And a while back, Stella uh, was, Jelaine and Tim were deciding they have to go to the store, and should one of them just go and one stay back with Stella? You know how it is if you're a parent. And so they said, uh, 
oh, let's go to the store. And they said to Stella, kidding me, of course, Stella, would you like, why don't you just stay home and mom and dad will go to the store? And Stella said, no, us. And I thought, so I've learned through Stella the importance of community, that we need each other. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the truths we can learn from each other, even from the very youngest of us. And we pray today that you would build your spiritual principles into our lives, that we would understand what it means to be spiritually healthy and to be people who are growing up to maturity in Christ-likeness. We pray this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. So we're continuing our series on healthiness. And as Pastor John has taught us and others, healthy disciples make healthy Christ communities, and healthy Christ communities make healthy disciples in, in every area of their life. And as I've said, we're talking today about spiritual health. And so over the years, uh, I've taken spiritual health really seriously. I've practiced spiritual disciplines and habits and practices. They're very critical to my spiritual health. But let me tell you something that happened to me when I retired. So I retired uh, three and a half years. Man, it doesn't seem that long. 2018, August, wow. Three and a half years ago, I retired. And just, you know that? Those first four months were like in a drop, like a drop into oblivion. Like, I'm not kidding. I am not, like, I, I'm generally a pretty stable person. Um, my family might disagree. But I'm a fairly stable person. But I found those first four months really disconcerting. After spending 37 years in pastoral ministry, it was, it was a bit overwhelming not to be going back and doing what I was normally used to doing in the fall. And it took me a long time to really adjust. One of the things, this, I have more time, at least I think I have more time, and one of the things I found really difficult was my spiritual disciplines. I, had to, I still practice spiritual disciplines, but I had to work way harder after I was retired than when I was a pastor. Now, as a pa when I was a pastor, I felt an overwhelming need to make sure I spent much time in the presence of God. I felt the pressure of spiritual responsibility and the need to gain my strength and my wisdom from Jesus. When I retired, I still have a need, but it didn't seem as great. And my tendency was to move towards apathy. And I had to be really careful that I continued to practice what I had been practicing the 37 years I was a pastor. And let me tell you, I am so thankful for my vantage point group and my circle group because being involved with them weekly has kept me on track spiritually. And I cannot tell you how important it is that we have spiritual community in our lives and I just want to thank my Vantage Point group and my circle group for building into my life and keeping me on track spiritually. Now today, we're not going to focus on spiritual habits, practices, and disciplines. I've taught a lot about those. They're very important. Prayer, study, fasting, meditation, service, giving, worship, they're all vital to our spiritual health. And Circle has many great resources, including mentoring, that would help you with that. But I don't want to focus on that today. I want to focus on barriers to spiritual health, barriers to spiritual health. Those things that prevent us from persistently and consistently practicing those principles, those disciplines, those habits that create spiritual health 
in our lives. Now, before I do that, I'm just, there's just two barriers, so you don't have a lot to remember, but before I do that, I just want to say this. Uh, I, in the past, I've talked about different ways that people connect with God. Some of you connect with God through worship. When we're singing, you're raising your hands, and you're very emotional, and that's the way in which you connect with God. Other people connect with God through silence and solitude. They like those times by themselves. Others through nature. Some connect with God through doctrine and teaching. Some through the scriptures. That's the primary way I connect with God. Some through service. Some through sharing their lives and the, and the gospel with other people. So all of us have a primary way in which we connect with God. We can practice many different ways of connecting with God, but all of us have a primary way of connecting with God. One way that's most effective for us in communicating with God. And you know what that is. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any period of time, you know what that is. And two things I want to tell you about this before we get into the barriers. First, accept who you are. Accept your connection with God as the way in which God has created you. And don't compare yourself with other people. If you're not a person who gets real emotional during the music time and you're not kind of a hands-lifting kind of person, and you see that some people around you doing that, that's okay. That's not you. That's not how you connect with God. Others of you just can't wait to get through the worship time so they can listen to the teaching. That's okay. That's who you are. That's the way in which you connect with God. So don't compare yourself with other people. And don't judge people who connect with God differently than you do. It is not your job to tell someone else how to connect with God. You connect with God in the way you do, and they connect with God in the way that they do. Okay, so let's focus on two spiritual barriers. Now, there's many others, but two that I find most common in dealing with uh, spiritual health. Things that block us from growing spiritually. Things that prevent us, barriers that prevent us from being spiritually healthy. I'm not going to talk about apathy or misplaced priorities, even though those are definitely barriers. I want to talk about two that I have struggled with and in the past have counseled others who have struggled with. And the first one is this. The first barrier that prevents us from growing spiritually is disappointment with God. Disappointment with God. When we believe that God's goal for us is happiness and comfort, and we don't experience happiness and comfort, we can become disappointed with God. If God does not answer our prayers in the exact way we want, when we want it, we become disappointed with God. And when we are constantly disappointed with God, it is difficult to grow spiritually. It is difficult to be spiritually healthy. Now, notice I use the word constantly because all of us, at some point in our life, if you're a follower of Jesus, all of us at some point in our life have experienced disappointment with God. All of us have experienced times where you have been disappointed with God. So I use the word constantly. And this disappointment with God is often built on the false belief of who God is and what he's trying to accomplish. One of my favorite writers, Dr. Lawrence Crabb, says this, the farther we travel on our spiritual journey, the less responsive God becomes 
to our request for a pleasant life. Things go wrong and God does nothing. He becomes the elusive God. He is inviting us to an experience with him that is more fulfilling than an experience with anyone else. Live long enough and important dreams will shatter. Things will go wrong that God will not fix. He could, but he doesn't. Now, I hope you can nod your head to that because you've experienced this. You know what this is like. So why does God do this? Why does this happen? It's because God's goal for us is not happiness and comfort. God's goal for us is healthiness and character. He wants to use difficulties, challenges, pain of life to transform us into the image of Jesus. We need to be careful not to measure God's goodness and love by his cooperation with our goals, dreams, and agendas. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. If you're going to take one thing home from today, and I hope you take more than just one, but if you take one thing home from today, it's this. We need to be careful not to measure God's goodness and love by his cooperation with our goals, dreams, and desires. To be spiritually healthy, we have to discard the mistaken belief that if God allows pain in our life, if he allows challenges and difficulties in our life, that he does not love us, that he is not good, that he's not doing his job. Disappointment with God that flows from a mistaken understanding of who God is and how he works becomes a, spear, a barrier to our growth and health spiritually. So how do we respond to this barrier? What do we do about this barrier? Let me give you one word. This word is trust. The word is trust. We trust that God is good. We trust that God loves us. We trust that God knows what he's doing. That's what I learned this morning. I learned that this morning as I was thinking about the fact that I'm speaking on the day I'm supposed to do KCS instead of next week, and that Dee got sick, and that I had weeks ago made the opportunity for me to take Dee's place today. I didn't know what was going to happen today. God knew it was going to happen today. I trust that God knows what he's doing, that he loves us, that he knows what we need. Trust that God wants us to grow and mature, to reflect the light, the life, and love of Jesus. Trust that God is more concerned with our healthiness than he is with our happiness. Trust that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. Now, let me, let me just stop there for a minute. I've said that more than once. Some of you are going, yeah, I know that. I know that God is not ultimately concerned with my help, happiness, and comfort. But do you get upset with God when life isn't as happy and comfortable as it should be? I, I do. I do. When things go wrong, no matter how small they are, do you get upset with God and go, God, do you actually love me? Do you care about me? Are you there? And God says, yes, I am. But it's your healthiness and character that I'm most concerned about. Trust is clinging to the character of God in every situation and circumstance. 
Trust is not getting what you want, when you want it, and the timing you think God should give it to you. Trust is clinging to the character of God in every situation and circumstance. Trust means surrender and submission to God in every situation and circumstance. Again, Dr. Crabb says this, God values the faith that is exercised in the fog more than faith that is exercised in sunshine. God values the faith that is exercised in the fog more than faith that is exercised in the sunshine. It's easy to have faith in the sunshine. It's easy to have faith when all is well. It's difficult to have faith in the fog when life is difficult and challenging and doesn't make sense. Now, one area that promotes spiritual health is prayer. Prayer connects us with God, and it connects us and increases our trust in God. There's an early follower of Jesus. His name was Paul. Some of you have heard his name. He, most of the New Testament was written by him, the second part of the Bible. And he writes a letter to a church in Philippi, and he says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what he's teaching us there is, is to take our specific anxieties, our specific fears, our specific needs, and turn them into specific requests. I have found this truth to be so helpful. What am I anxious about? What am I fearful about? What, I, what do I want God to do? And then I change that fear and anxiety into a specific petition or request. But notice in this verse that God does not say, if you pray, God will give you everything you want when you want it. It says, when you pray, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say that I'll give you exactly what you ask for. What he says is, as you pray, as you request, as you're specific in giving your desires, I will guard your heart and your mind, your emotions and your thinking with the peace of Jesus Christ that surpasses all understanding. This passage teaches us to express our desires and then release the results into God's hands. And that's what trust is. It's expressing our desires and then releasing the results into God's hands. Now, what we have to be careful of is demanding this, being demanding. There's a fine line be between desire and demanding. One of my favorite stories I read many years ago was about a little boy who was in a grocery store and so those of you who have taken kids into grocery stores, you know the challenge of going up and down the aisles when you might run into something they really want and you don't really want to buy that for them. So that happens all the time in grocery stores. Um, and we've had that experience with our kids in, in the past. So this little boy was with his mom and he was in the shopping cart and they're going up and down the aisles and she went down the, had to get something else in this aisle, but went down and there was cookies in the cookie aisle, and she, he kept saying, Mom, buy me cookies, Mom, buy me cookies. 
And as they got to the till, he was still asking, Mom, buy me cookies. And, finally, and she kept saying, no, 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 no. And finally he said, in the name of Jesus, would somebody please buy me cookies? <laughs> and uh, when they got to the till and people heard that, a bunch of people came rushing with cookies <laughs> to give him the cookies, which I'm sure his mom did not appreciate that. Okay, you know, we can be like that in our prayers, don't you think? Can't we be like that in our prayers? Jesus, give me some cookies in your name. Please give me the cookies. We can do that. And maybe sometimes it's a little bit subtle, maybe a little bit more subtle than that. But we can be demanding. I've been demanding. We can all be demanding in our prayers. Pastor Paul, you mentioned that uh, we were going through a season of Lent. I love the season of Lent. I do my Lent practices every year. And uh, one of my readings this morning is uh, by one of my favorite authors, Henri Nguyen. And uh, he said this about hope, but it connects to this whole idea of demandingness and desire. He says this, A person with hope does not get tangled up with concerns for how their wishes will be fulfilled. So too their prayer is not directed toward the gift, but toward the one who gives the gift. Their prayer might still contain many desires, but ultimately it is not a question of having a wish come true, but of expressing an unlimited faith in the giver of all good things. For the prayer of hope, it is essential that there are no guarantees asked for, no conditions posed, and no proofs demanded, only that you expect everything from the other without binding him without binding God. Hope is based on the premise that the other, God, gives only what is good. Hope includes an openness by which you wait for the other to make their loving promise come true, even though you never know when, where, or how this might happen. Man, that was really powerful for me this morning when I read that. And I just had to, to share that with you guys this morning. So watch out for demandingness. We can be demanding or we can pray with trust. We can express our desires to God and leave the results into his hands. And that requires, if we're going to pray that way and not be disappointed with God, because it often happens when God doesn't seem to be responding to our prayers in the way we want, if we're going to really grow and be spiritually healthy, we have to know how God responds to prayers. And there are four ways that I have found that God has responded to my prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says, I'm going to give you what you want in exactly the way you want it, in exactly the timing that you would like to have. Sometimes he says no. He says, that's never going to happen. Now remember that this is an opportunity. Those no's are an opportunity for God to demonstrate his strength in the midst of our weakness. The Apostle Paul said to God, please remove this thorn from, our, from my flesh. He just wasn't really uh, specific as to what that thorn was, but he said, please remove this thorn from my flesh. And God said in response, no, my grace is, is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. Sometimes the timing's not right. 
we're not ready, circumstances not right, and more often than not, sometimes God says wait because he wants to build character into our lives. Don't you hate that when somebody says this is a character-building opportunity? <laughs> I'm, I had a discussion with my son a while back. Well, this one, he was a teenager. He's in his 30s now. Wow, that's hard. I'm ever old. So he was, I, this was when he was a teenager, and I said, he'd gone to church long enough and heard me speak long enough to know my response. He, he was sharing about this difficult circumstance in his life and what was going on, how troubled he was. And then before I could say anything in response, and he says, and don't tell me this is a character-building opportunity. So, so that was me. That was my, that was my uh, cue to listen and not provide a solution. God says, yes, no, wait. I think more often than not, God says, surprise. Surprise. God answers in a way we do not expect. There's a guy in the Old Testament with a really interesting name, Habakkuk. I'm hoping that that'll be the name of our next grandchild, Habakkuk. <laughs> and he says, <clears throat> I hope Jelaine's listening. How long, O God, must I call for help, but you do not listen? And God says, watch, I'm going to do something you don't expect. I'm going to surprise you. And my experience has been that surprise is the most ex frequent response to our prayers. And why is this? Because God knows what is best for us. He knows the big picture. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He responds to what we really need. That's called surprise. So the first barrier to spiritual health is disappointment with God, and the way we respond to that is trust. Trust in who God is and that he knows what he's doing. The second barrier is disconnectedness from God is disconnectedness from God. Now, you might be a person who is really persistent and consistent in practicing spiritual habits, like prayer. You want to be spiritually healthy. You take it very seriously. But sometimes, maybe even more often than not, you feel disconnected with God. You feel like God is far off. You feel like he's not hearing you. You're in good company, as we saw with Habakkuk. He didn't feel like God was listening. You're in good company. The psalmists over and over and over again talked about how God is far off, how he feels distant, how they feel disconnected from him. Even Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're in good company if you feel that way. Disconnectedness from God, though, can be a barrier to spiritual health. And why is that? We're not sure if God hears us we're not sure when we, don't, when we don't feel close to God, when we don't feel intimate, we're not really sure that God cares. And that can lead to discouragement and being disillusioned. So how do we respond to feeling disconnected from God? And the way we do that is truth. These are two great words I'm teaching you this morning. Truth and trust. The way we respond to this barrier is truth. We need to know, we need to believe, we need to express the truth of who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus. Now, I want to say something shocking to you today. Don't rush the stage. Don't throw things at your TV set if you're online or your computer, whatever way you're watching. I want to say something a little bit shocking, okay? For some of you, this will be more shocking than others. Some of you might find this a little bit of a, a relief. Okay, here it goes. Our emotions 
tell us little or nothing about our connection with God. Our emotions tell us little or nothing about our connection with God. Now, I am not saying that our emotions do not play a role in our relationship with God because they do. I am saying that we cannot measure God's presence in our lives by our feelings. Feelings of God's presence come and go. I bet you when you, many of you, when you're worshiping God this morning with those great worship songs, what a great worship team we have, man. Yeah, we have a fantastic, and tech team, and tech team. I, I experienced emotions. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But I'm not day-to-day -day measuring my connection with God based on how I feel. Feelings of God's presence come and go. The truth of God's presence is always consistent. Feelings of God's presence come and go. The truth of God's presence is always consistent. Let me encourage you to respond to this barrier, this barrier of feeling distant from God with the truth, with a daily declaration of the truth. This is something I do every morning. I won't tell you what I say, but it's something I do every morning. One of the first things I do in the morning is I declare the truth of who God is and who I am. I declare the truth of what Jesus has done in my life and what Jesus wants me to do with my life. I do that every day, and I've got some examples for you. These are things that you can declare every day. They're not based on feelings. They're based on truth. I am God's child. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am the temple of the Spirit of God. I am held in the palm of God's hand. I am a friend of Jesus. These truths and many others have taken me through times of darkness where God seemed far off, and they continue to enable me to connect with God no matter how I feel. You know, when I was, uh, I added some notes to the bottom of my page here, because when I was worshiping today, and, and I was having emotions in connecting with God, and if you weren't, that's fine, don't worry about that, but that, that was my experience today. And I was having emotions. But one of the things that I try to do when I'm worshiping God is not just to experience God emotionally, but to pay attention to the words so I'm experiencing God truthfully. So I'm looking at the words and allowing the words to seep into my life. And that's what I'm praying for myself and each of you during the worship time, is that not only are we connecting with God in whatever way we connect with Him, that can include emotions, but that also we are, we are carefully paying attention to the words. The words of the songs today were great. They are declarations of truth. Some of you might do the declaration thing like I do every morning. Some of you might like music and just need to take songs like this from wherever you get them and use them as declarations of truth. You can use music. You can sing to God in the car on your way to work as a declaration of truth of who Jesus is and who you are in Jesus. Music can be a declaration of truth. So the second barrier to being spiritually healthy is disconnectedness with God, and we respond to that through truth. Now, we are responsible for our own spiritual health. 
And we do that by practicing spiritual habits and practices and disciplines. And they're critical to our spiritual health. Just like exercise, I love to exercise. Just like exercise is critical to physical health, so is spiritual exercise critical to spiritual health. But we need to remember this. Even in practicing spiritual disciplines, you need to remember this, that spiritual health is built on these two foundational principles that we've learned this morning. We can trust God. We can believe the truth of who God is and who we are in God. We can trust God and we can believe the truth of who God is and who we are in God. Trust and truth. One last important principle I talked about, my vantage point group and my circle group and how much they mean to me and how much they've built into my life. I cannot grow, you cannot grow, we cannot grow spiritually in isolation. We can only grow in community. We need people each and every day of our life to challenge us, support us, teach us, and encourage us so we can be spiritually healthy. We need each other. Or as Stella said, we need us. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we can trust you. We are so grateful that you love us and nothing can separate us from your love. And we surrender and submit our wills to your will that you might accomplish your purposes in our life. And Father, we are so grateful for the truth, the truth that sets us free, the truth that guides our heart and our mind with the peace of Jesus Christ, the truth that enables us to live no matter how we feel, no matter how difficult life is. We pray, Father, that you would remind us throughout the weeks to come to declare the truth, to live and abide and be changed, transformed and altered by the truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life, that we might have life abundant and eternal. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for blessing us with the Spirit that he might empower us to live a life that reflects and radiates you, that we might be your light your life, and your love. I pray for each of us here that all that we have learned this morning would be built deeply into our lives. And before we leave today, Father, as we sing that last song, I pray that you would build the truth of those words deeply into our lives, that we might declare them throughout the rest of this day and this week. And I pray this in the name, power, authority, and blood of Jesus Christ. Amen.